He was a morbidly obese surgeon destined for an operating table and an early death. Now he's a rebel MD who is fabulously fit and fighting to make America healthy again. This is Stay Off My Operating Table with Dr. Philip Ovedia. And we're live. Well, it's the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast with Dr. Philip Abadie. I'm your co-host, Jack Heal, and I'm wearing a patch because I messed myself up earlier this week. Um, it's not permanent, I hope. We are joined here today uh, with a, a young woman I've really been looking forward to getting to know, Carrie Keith. Phil, tell us uh, why Carrie is here, and, and let's get this in, get this conversation started. Definitely. And, uh, you know, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a uh, different uh, conversation around health, uh, but uh, something I think is a very important um, aspect of health, and that's going to be mindset. And uh, Carrie is an expert in mindset. Uh, Carrie is uh, also going to uh, help us uh, with having Carrie on. We will have a new first uh, for the podcast. And that will be our first uh, husband and wife team uh, since we had Brian Keith, her husband, on uh, a few months ago. Um, but uh, really excited to introduce Carrie uh, to our audience. And I think she's going to have a lot of great insight uh, because we talk about, you know, changes uh, that can be beneficial to uh, health, um, but uh, we haven't really gotten into, you know, what it takes to enact those changes and make them sustainable. And I think Carrie's going to help us with that. So before we get to that, uh, Carrie, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your background and how you became to be an expert in mindset and coaching? Yes, I'm so happy to be here and how fun husband and wife duo on your podcast. Uh, I started out really, um, in the coaching world, actually doing health coaching. And I was doing health health coaching for people that were challenged with autoimmune conditions and with diabetes. And what I was finding is I was doing this, the health coaching aspect of things, which I got into from my own health journey and wanting to help people really be able to heal and live their lives, you know, live out their lives the way they wanted to without being inhibited by some kind of physical parameter, keeping them and holding them back. What I was finding is I was doing the health coaching and I was focusing on, you know, nutrition and helping people change habits, right? Which is a lot of what you talk about wanting people to do, right? To stay off your operating table. And what I was finding was a lot of, a lot of the time it was, do they have the inherent belief that one, it's possible to change, that they can actually change their habits, or do they have the inherent belief that I'm not an active person, or it's always been hard for me to lose weight, or I don't like healthy foods, or whatever it might be, there were mental barriers to getting to the actual habit change that had to be addressed before they could, you know, pick up the routine and the habit of meal planning. There was just a complete disconnect. And so as I started doing that, I really began discovering how much I was helping people with the emotional and the mental blocks that were keeping them from what they ultimately wanted. And so I started diving into the psychology and the mindset work and honing in on that as a way to support people in creating the life that they want, which is what I now do, uh, predominantly focused with women, but really this is for anyone, anyone needs mindset shifts, being able to break free from their limiting beliefs. And I do that through coaching, private coaching and online courses. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about those limiting beliefs um, and where they come from. You know, I certainly uh, would say, you know, I had a major limiting obese that I was Uh, or a major limiting belief that I was, you know, destined to be obese. My parents were obese. My siblings were obese. And so, you know, I believed that I was just always going to be obese uh, until I stopped believing that. And, uh, you know, ultimately I have, uh, I am no longer obese. 
where most commonly do you find that these limiting beliefs come from in people? Yeah, so we are developing and forming beliefs at a very early age. So your example is the case in point of that. You were surrounded as a child by an image of that was being reflected back to you of yourself ultimately, right? So you were then attaching yourself to maybe the beliefs of your parents or your siblings and their behaviors. And our beliefs that we form at a young age or by experiences, right? An experience somebody might've had of getting rejected. They might form this belief of nobody can love me or I'm always going to be rejected. Those types of things are how we form our beliefs to begin with. And on top of that, the belief is then what keeps you from taking action or supports you in taking action that might be the opposite direction of what you ultimately want. But we get stuck in the mental loop of replaying over and over again this belief, maybe not even being conscious to the fact that you have the belief, right? When you were a child, you you weren't really conscious to the idea that you had this belief that you were just going to be you know, you're always going to be fat. That probably wasn't like a thing on your mind all the time. But as you got older and maybe in reflection, you can look back and say, yeah, I definitely was attached to that belief and idea for myself that that was what was going to be my life. Would you um, say that that's an important kind of first step in this process is, is coming to recognize those beliefs that we oftentimes don't recognize? Yes, the first step to changing anything in your mind and really training your brain, frankly, is beginning to understand yourself. And we can't do that if we don't have honesty and awareness to what are my actual thoughts? What is it that I'm actually saying to myself, right? Am I actually saying to myself that, yeah, I can get up in the morning and I can go for a 10-minute walk? That is actually a possibility for me. Or am I saying that I'm not a morning person and I'm really lazy and I'm not very active and that's just how it's always going to be? If we're not honest and aware to what is the inner dialogue going on, we have no way to actually attack or look at what it, what is the, what is it that we're up against, right? What is the limiting belief that's actually fueling the action or the lack of? Because what we have to do is we have to be able to say, this is what it currently is. This is what I actually want it to be based off of my desires, my goals, the kind of person I want to be or the life that I want to have. And what are the beliefs that I would have to adopt or have to have or have to hold as truth in order to get that? And this is a lot of, this can be a lot of mental work because for some people it might have been something that their parents told them all the time or that they heard all the time. And those voices we adopt as our own inner voice. And if we're not conscious to what is it that our inner voice is saying, and we think that, oh, that's mine, right? That that I've been telling myself that I'm just going to be fat. That's mine. But actually, my mom was always telling me that. Well, suddenly, I don't have to accept that as true anymore. I can decide that that was never actually mine. And that I can detach from that and create something different. And that is where the inner power starts to come into play because the the individual realizes I get to have a say. I don't have to be stuck in this belief. Sounds like you're starting with just agency as as the, uh, the key element in making the change. And I, 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 I've got to ask the question, why is it that, that people who need to make changes and find it difficult or impossible to make those changes, why do they not have a sense of agency? Why do they not have that sense that I, I, can, I can make a change to my life? Have you found a commonality amongst people? And if so, what is it? Yeah, well, it comes from a sense of self, for one. If we look at when we were children, you're associating your sense of self as attached to your parents, right? Um, when a baby is born, they don't actually they don't actually conceive that they're separate from the mom, right? They they believe that they're they're still attached in in some context, and so over time, 
you know, we can look at personal responsibility or agency, like you're saying, and say, well, what is it that people don't realize is that they are separate, that they could actually have a choice. We're constantly looking outside of ourselves in society for somebody else to do it for me, somebody else to have the answers, right? Somebody else to um, tell me what to do to allow me to get to where I want to be or lack thereof. And what I've found with a lot of people is there's obviously there's insecurities that are born out of limiting beliefs, a lot of these limiting beliefs, but it's the separation of, I have permission to change my mind, to change what I believe is true, to reflect and look at, do I even want to hold this as true anymore, right? If it's something that your mom told you or that a teacher told you sometime or the kids at school bullied you for, we attach to these um, experiences or things that people have said and we assign meaning, right? We assign meaning and we assign truth. And we are doing this subconsciously, not even realizing how we're forming our sense of self or self-concept. And so a lot of it is breaking down the self-concept and giving people back ownership of you don't have to, you know, have all these things you've attached to over time still mean something about you. And even that realization of I actually can change just based of off of letting go of some of the things that I've thought was true about myself that I don't actually want to be true. Like I'm always going to be fat. You know, we're using that example. I can use the example um, of myself. When I was 15, I was uh, diagnosed with a really rare form of arthritis because I ended up not being able to use my hands. I had lost my ability to walk. It was about eight months before they finally gave me any kind of diagnosis. And I went from somebody who was extremely active volleyball player to barely being able to get out of bed and walk. And this was my first life lesson in mindset work and my personal journey and experience. And what I learned over time from having been in the trenches of telling myself that you're always going to be sick or you're never going to be able to do a lot of the athletic things you you were able to do before, right? Or people are always going to look at you differently, or maybe it's going to be hard for somebody to love you, right? All of these stories that I built up over time based on that experience or what I had heard from other people, like doctors telling me that I would end up in a wheelchair, right? Is that I can look at that and say, but what, what if that actually gets to be true? What do I decide is going to be true about my life? And that simple ownership of, wait, I don't have to accept what somebody else tells me is going to be true, that I actually am the one that gets to have the power and the say. Yeah, so where does, um, I guess, how do you decide um, what is kind of truth and what you're just perceiving as truth? Um, Because obviously when you're, in your own mind, so to speak, and you're thinking thoughts, uh, you know, along the lines of what you were thinking in that example, um, you know, how do you, how do you get out of that? How do you recognize that, you know, what you're perceiving uh, is going to happen may not be what is actually going to happen. And um, that if you start thinking about different outcomes, uh, you know, you can end up manifest manifesting different outcomes. Well, let me ask you this. Was there something at any moment that changed in you that allowed you to make the, the, take the action to actually change your life? Like, was there an experience or was there a moment where you had a conversation with yourself? Like what, what was it that ultimately you were like, I'm, I'm done with this or. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I've, I've spoken many times about, you know, the, the sort of turning point uh, when it came to my obesity was, uh, you know, hearing uh, Gary Taubes deliver a lecture where he talked about, you know, just different theories about why we get obese um, than I had heard throughout my education. And those different theories led to uh, different uh, courses of action, you know, that I was then able to take. And by taking that course of action, you know, changing the types of food that I was eating, um, you know, 
it led me to success. And then, you know, I would say I was able to uh, reinforce that, you know, the more success I had, obviously my mindset changed and I realized that I wasn't destined uh, to be obese. Was there something in that moment too, that was more than just like the facts, just more than just the, the information being presented to you that made you want to change? Um, certainly, you know, there were a number of things that had, I guess, led me up to that point. You know, I, I had, uh, I had children, you know, I had young children. Uh, we had just had our kids, uh, that motivated me to, you know, get healthy for them, uh, you know, for my wife and to, you know, be there for my family. Uh, and I think I just, um, you know, came to a greater realization about, um, the patients that I was taking care of and how, you know, I wasn't serving them as well. You know, I had been giving them the same advice that was failing me. And, uh, you know, I, I, that didn't, uh, no longer rang true with me, I guess you would say, you know, didn't resonate. I wasn't happy with the way that I was serving my patients. And, and I would say all of that came together and then, some would say uh, perhaps that allowed me to be open to this new information because, um, you know, I've, I, I think I've discussed it in some forums how, you know, I was sitting there in a, you know, in an audience of, uh, you know, a couple hundred or a thousand surgeons, you know, Gary's giving this talk, Eric Cobbs is giving this talk, um, probably for the vast majority of the surgeons sitting there, it didn't connect with them. It didn't resonate with them. Many of them were probably thinking, no, this is wrong. This isn't what we learned in school. And yet, for whatever reason, it it did resonate with me. I was open to receiving that information. And I'm sure those, you know, those other uh, kind of factors in my life got me to that point. But um, uh, you would probably say that, you know, I was... Uh, I would Kate was able to come to recognize that limiting belief and uh, was open to changing it at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I would say is there there was a desire there. There was a desire within, and that desire within got ignited enough for you to actually say, you know, I'm going to face whatever hurdles I have to face in order to have the end goal that I want. And you know, there there are going to be people who. Um, for, for who the desire is not there. And sometimes you have to kind of inspect, well, why, why is that? Where, you know, where is it that they aren't finding meaning to make the change, changes they want to have? And perhaps there's limiting beliefs behind that. But in my case, you know, with, in, in regards to health, I can talk about that a lot, which is that I came to a place where I just didn't want to live like that anymore. That was, you know, as simply as I can put it, I remember crying. I remember sitting in front of the mirror in my bathroom, just hysterical because I had been for years in so much pain and not just physical pain, but emotional pain. I, you know, I lost friends. I had been, you know, estranged from people. I wasn't really, you know, on the surface, my life would have looked fine to everybody. But to me, and this is similar to what you said to me, I wasn't satisfied. Something wasn't okay inside of me. And it was in that moment that it was like, no, I deserve more than this. And nobody else is going to give that to me. You know, I have people in my life who are going to support me and who are going to say, you can do anything and, you know, maybe you'll feel better and et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, the person getting out of the bed is me. And what I'm saying to myself has 10 times more of an impact than what somebody else is saying to me as an adult. That's not true of a child, but as an adult, I can have more power in what I'm saying and how I'm speaking to myself and what my inner dialogue is than anyone else. And it was awakening to that and realizing, okay, I have actually got to change the way that I talk to myself, the way that I think what I'm saying, like the things of, you know, I'll never be able to play a sport again, or it's going to be hard to love me or whatever other story limiting belief that I could come up with. I had to drop those if I wanted something to change. And that's what I see a lot with my clients and people who do the courses is that 
there's a desire there. There's that I want something to be different. I'm not satisfied with myself. And you probably see this in a lot of people that you you help change their health, right? And then you probably also see the other spectrum of that in, in patients who maybe it feels like it's hard to um, hard to really get to resonate with them. Like you want so badly for them to change, to make a change. And you're giving them all the information. Maybe that desire is not there. Yeah, it certainly is interesting. You know, uh, I I get to see the very different perspectives. You know, the the patients that I deal with as a heart surgeon, um, you know, who are at, uh, you know, critical points, low points in their life. You know, they've had a heart attack. They're facing major surgery, uh, you know, and, and many of them are looking for answers. Uh, but as you said, a lot of times they're not open to the answers. They still have those limiting beliefs maybe that are, are preventing them from that. Um, the patients who, you know, I work with on metabolic health who come to my practice, you know, they've sought me out, uh, you know, so they, um, there's a little bit of a selection bias and advantage there and that they've already taken the step to find me. Uh, and so uh, we oftentimes have these conversations and are able to, you know, uh, identify some of these limiting beliefs, um, you know, and, and, and start to change them for those people. Mm-hmm. But one of the, one of the things I always say around health, you know, I oftentimes, you know, I'll have people reach out to me, for instance, on, uh, you know, social media, and they'll say, oh, you know, my relative, you know, my mom really needs this information, you know, can you help her? And, you know, typically, my answer is, your mom has to want to help herself first before I can help her. And I think that's a, a major factor when we look at health improvement, you know, someone has to want to get better before really almost any doctor can help them get better. And the same is absolutely true of mindset and in changing the way that you see yourself or that you see your, your reality, because everything that we're saying to ourselves or, you know, the perspective we have on life is creating the reality in which we live. Right. And so if somebody that you're speaking to for one, maybe doesn't want the help, but also that stems from the belief of, I can't lose weight or I'm always going to be unhealthy or I don't like healthy foods or whatever it might be. Well, yeah, the, the barrier there is going to be that mental block and being able to get over the hurdle of thinking differently. And, and even people perceiving, I think this is actually one of the hardest parts for people is people perceiving that their life can be different from what it is, right? We have a lot of biases towards everything is always going to be the the way that it always has been, right? We're, we want to avoid change at all costs. We're, you know, creatures of comfort in a lot of cases. And so people have this subconscious sort of uh, programming dialed in of uh, my life is always going to be the way that it always has been to some extent. I'm going to wake up, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to do the same thing. And I'm, I am who I am. That's one of the main limiting beliefs that I hear a lot, right? Like, this is just the way I am, or this is, you know, what my horoscope says I'm like, or whatever, whatever it might be. We, we have these, we're stuck on these ideas of, you know, I'm always going to be this way. And so people have to first believe and perceive that their life can be different if, if they wanted it to be. And that, you know, is a whole range of things from health to wealth, um, to really anything that people want in their lives. You have a, uh, you created a sacred self journal before you tell us what it is. I want to know why that name, why is sacred self? That's a pretty powerful label. 
Yeah. So it all, it really goes back to my own personal journey and then the work that I was doing uh, with private clients. And in that, in both of those things, I was really discovering, you know, I did a lot of journaling, self-reflection, you can call it, writing things down, kind of gaining perspective, understanding myself, going through an exploration phase at a fairly young age, trying to understand the inner workings of my own mind and my the, my own way of thinking and how I was perceiving myself and how I was speaking to myself. And what I discovered in doing that was that, you know, there's a lot of benefit to let's call it brain dumping, journaling, just to brain dump, right? Let me get my thoughts out. Let me process. But the actual change happens when you're asking yourself questions and really the right, the right questions And what happens in this change specifically is that you start to develop an understanding and a relationship with yourself. And sacred self-journaling is about curating a relationship and a dialogue with yourself. A lot of people, you know, we we hear our thoughts or we hear what we say about ourselves when we're looking in the mirror, but is there a dialogue? Are you actually speaking with yourself? Are you actually creating understanding? And so the sacred self journal is actually um, daily prompts to help you connect with and nurture the inner dialogue, the conversation with yourself so that you can form this understanding of what's actually going on for me. How am I feeling today? What's on my mind that's maybe keeping me from taking action or what's going great that I'm really supporting myself with, with whether it's an affirmation or a mindset mantra, what have you. And so there's daily prompts to go through in that journal, as well as some longer form um, reflection prompts as well. And the key is really asking yourself the right questions. And that's the the sort of state, what I call a sacred connection to yourself. How did you stumble on these questions? That's a great question. (laughs) Really, I mean, a part, a big part of it was exploring within myself, was using myself as a, as a guinea pig. And then with my initial clients, my initial private clients, I was always giving them specific journal prompts for them to go and do based off of the work that we were doing one-on-one together. And as I started to see how expansive and how nurturing these prompts were for my clients, I realized I need to create a journal that uses a lot of these questions you know, in some kind of structured way so that people outside of, you know, who work with me one-on-one can have access to building and nurturing a relationship with themselves and creating this self-understanding, which leads to so many other avenues of being able to do mindset work, get through limiting beliefs, and really kind of build a stronger sense of self. I, I feel like we're we're so meta right now those who are with us are totally with us, but we might have some listeners who are, who, are, who are a little bit lost right now. So let's tell some stories. Um, let's tell us some stories about either yourself or clients, mindset shifts, and what the before and the after was as a result of these mindset set shifts. I want people to get a sense of how they can take control of their lives through their stories. Yeah. So one thing I can speak to is obviously like I was sharing with my own health journey. And in that we're talking about over 15 years of having a chronic illness and having people and doctors tell me certain things that were going to be true about my life based off of a diagnosis. And there were certain points in that journey where I completely allowed those truths to run and dictate how I lived and the actions that I took. And I talked a little bit about how I got to this point of, I can't live like this. I don't want to live like this. This isn't the kind of life I want anymore. And so I had to make the choice to adopt something different. And the belief that I adopted was it is possible for me to heal. It is possible for me to have full health. And let me tell you, there are times that that was really difficult to stick with, but that belief alone, right. Completely changed every single action I took as a result of that belief. 
And I allowed all these other stories and all these other things that were getting in the way of actually creating the life I wanted to live. And I think this is important, whether or not I actually achieved the end result mattered less than the way that I was living on the way to that, right? Because I was still living from this belief and creating my life based off of that, not based off of all these other things that were limiting me, that were honestly keeping more me more sick, keeping me stuck in this cycle because I was also then mentally unwell. Right. right? There, there, there had to have been a little voice in the back of your head when you said to yourself, it's possible to get well. There had to have been another voice that said, you're lying to yourself, Carrie. Just accept the truth. Just accept reality. Mm-hmm. How did you deal with that? We have lots. Voice. We have lots of different voices in our heads, <laughs> which you know, I ha- I kind of I play around with this a little bit because it does it can get. I don't want to say heavy, but it can get a little bit. Um, intense for people that, you know, we're talking about a lot of things kind of up in the air. And I talk a lot about um, what I call the inner voice is the doubt monster. There's that doubt monster always there that wants to tell you, are you sure about this? You know, what if, what if this guy doesn't like you? What if it doesn't work out? What if this business deal falls through? How are you going to make this? Are you sure you can get better? Right. You've failed every other time at losing weight. What makes this time different? Right. It's always going to be there. And the important part is not that, oh my gosh, I need to squash that and push that away and be mad at myself for having that thought. But the key is understanding that actually that thought, that thought was actually trying to protect me. That thought was trying to protect me from the pain of going down potentially a journey of believing something is true and it never happening, right? It's trying to protect me from emotional damage, right? right? In a lot of cases, that's what doubt is trying, where it's telling us you're going up against an edge here. Be careful, watch out. (laughs) And we have to be able to realize that and assess that like, that's what's actually happening and not that, oh, I need to stop doing this because if I fail, then suddenly the world ends. And what happened for me in that moment was that it was more important to me how I was actually living day to day than whether or not the end result was this ideal perfection of health. And I also had to tell my, to really change the language that I was using to tell myself that whether it was possible or not, my belief was no longer that I was sick. Because the more I attached to that, the more that that was going to be how I viewed everything. I was going to view everything in my world through that lens, which is what I had done for so many years. And I wanted to open up to the idea of, what would life be like if I didn't view my world through that lens? Mm-hmm. And so I have clients who, you know, have really struggled with self-worth as an example, who um, maybe, you know, have a lot of self-talk around whether or not they're good enough to be loved, good enough for somebody else. They're struggling in relationships with other people and, in doing that, they have this belief that either they're not lovable or it's not possible for them to be loved by somebody else or that nothing that they do is going to attract somebody else into them into their lives. And every single time they're telling themselves that, that's the, the worldview in which they're living through. They're seeing every potential future person through that lens. Are people usually aware that they're talking to themselves this way or does it come as a surprise? People are usually not aware. It's very subconscious, which is why when we're talking about it, it can feel like we're talking about this high level, you know, up in the clouds sort of thing, because you're not, you're not, you're going through your day. You're not sitting there inspecting your self-talk. But this is a lot of the work that I do privately one-on-one and in my courses, the the key is to really help you build that inner dialogue with yourself because it's the inner dialogue that is actually going to allow you to make the change right if you 
you know, I'm curious for you, Phil, when you were making a lot of the changes in your life, um, a lot of the physical changes, health changes, were there ever times that you, that you had to like get yourself out of bed or tell yourself that, you know, you can make this healthy meal or have to encourage yourself in some kind of capacity when maybe you didn't feel like doing it or it wasn't convenient or there was another voice telling you that it wasn't possible. Yeah, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, not only has there been, but there continues to be. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it on some level, it's always it's easier to be unhealthy in our world because, um, you know, our world has gotten to our point uh, where, you know, most, you know, we, we've talked about the statistics here on the show, you know, that most people are unhealthy. Uh, and unhealthfulness is all around us. You know, you walk into the supermarket and 90% of what is in there is going to make you unhealthy. And you have to actively seek out, you have to actively kind of stick to the, you know, 10% that is going to support your health. Uh, so, you know, I think that's an ongoing challenge uh, for um for most people, for all people, maybe. Uh, and uh, certainly it's something, you know, I still struggle with on some level. I mean, it gets it gets easier the longer you do it. And, you know, now that I'm seven years, you know, into this journey, uh, you know, and I have the, I've changed my beliefs, I guess you could say, and I've, I've set up the systems around me that, you know, uh, allow me to, you know, you know, kind of control my uh, environment. Uh, but still, you know, yeah, you know, there are plenty of times where uh, there are choices that I could make uh, that would be easier, but wouldn't be supporting my health. And you have to, uh, you have to work through that. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I think you make an important point about that it the mindset aspect doesn't end, but it does get easier, you know, depending on, you know, in one area of your life, you might be talking about health and then you might have a different relationship when it comes to business or money, right. In any area of your life and how you think about it. But one of the things that, you know, I I think is really important to talk about is when you're looking at mindset and limiting beliefs and the beliefs that you had to change in order to take the actions to make the changes, you had moments where you had to encourage yourself or you had to have an inner dialogue that chose something different than what your previous self might've been saying to you, right? The story no longer could be, I'm always going to be fat. Like there's no way that that story could have possibly been the story you were still telling yourself while taking the actions you were taking because they're incongruent. And so that self-talk, let's call it, that inner dialogue had to change in order to support the actions changing. And, you know, you, you were asking about, do people, are people aware that, that this is how they're talking to themselves? And a lot of times they're not until they start inspecting and getting that honest of, you know, well, what is it that I'm saying to myself and nurturing that inner dialogue and recognizing maybe one asking yourself, is that true? Like, is that thought that I just had actually true? Another one that I ask clients a lot is, is that mine? I had a client once who was really struggling about a lot of the beliefs of her own self-worth. And what we uncovered was that a lot of the thoughts that she was having were things that her dad had said to her growing up, that that voice was not actually her, her own voice, really, the, it was her own voice in her mind. But what was being said was coming from things she had heard her dad say. And so as soon as she was able to realize that, she could say, well, that's not actually mine. And there's a lot of power in that and being able to detach yourself from something that you're hearing in your own mind and saying, well, if that's not mine, do I have to accept that that's true? Do I have to give that meaning? Do I have to say that that gets to have any kind of say in how I take action or how I live my life? And for her, it was a really big moment because she could finally separate all these, a lot of these things that had been holding her back from 
creating the life she wanted, feeling good about herself, you know, the list could go on actually even supporting her health. All of these things that she wasn't doing because of this, the, these limiting beliefs in this voice that wasn't even actually hers, but she had been owning it her whole life as if it was and accepting it as true. And that goes back to the question of, you know, am I accepting these thoughts as true? And when do I get to decide that they're not? And part of that for people can be assessing, is this even mine? Where did this even come from? Who gets to decide, right? Who even gets to decide that I'm always going to be fat? Is it me, right? Do I get to decide that? Is that actually what I want? And is this belief from somebody, you know, that was in my life earlier on and why should I give them any power over my life now and how I take action? So let's, um, uh, I guess maybe try and bring it down uh, a little bit. And uh, what are, you know, are there a few practical tips that you can give, you know, one or two practical tips that you can give people to sort of uh, at least get this process started. Obviously, this is not simple. This is not something that happens quickly. Um, but but if someone is sitting there, uh, you know, as, as many in the audience probably are, um, and thinking, okay, how do I get started and, and change, turn this into actionable uh, information? Yeah, the, the first part would be identifying some limiting beliefs. So a lot of people have these on the surface. People know if you're holding yourself back, you know, you can look at a list, especially in that let's focus on the health arena. If you have, if you know, you have a belief of um, I'm not an active person, like, is that the way that you see yourself? Let's say, or, you know, you have a belief of it's hard for me to eat healthy kind of identifying what it, what is it that I believe to be true about my health about the status of my health and just kind of evaluating saying, what am I, what am I actually believing is true? Because once you, I, I can identify, Oh, there's a limiting belief, or um, maybe it's that you believe that it's too hard for you to go for a walk once a day, right? Very, that's very basic things. Well, if I believe that's true, it's likely I'm not going to take action on that. So identifying what the limiting belief is, alongside identifying what is it that you want. So helping people understand what is it that they actually want? Is it that they want to, you know, have better metabolic health? Is it that they actually want to be able to run around with their kids? Is it that they actually want to be able to pick up their grandchild when they're in their seventies, right? What what are the sort of core desires and the things that are meaningful to people that is actually what they want to have in their life. Because once you can hold that picture, once you can hold a vision of what you actually want, and most people haven't really even considered, they're just like, oh, I'd like to lose weight. But why? Because that why is going to support you in actually taking the actions and shifting the mental blocks as opposed to, oh, it'd be nice. Right. And I'm sure you have, you know, some really compelling reasons statistically and health wise why people should lose weight. And for some people, that's that alone is going to be motivating. And for other people, that might not be enough. Right. They need to tap into something greater than themselves in order to identify, well, this is actually what I want in my life. And I'm willing to to make the mental changes and go through the mental barriers in order to get that. And so a lot of this is sort of like a self-evaluation. What are some limiting things that are holding you back? What is it that you want? Write these down. What are the beliefs that you would need to have in order to get what you want? I call these supporting beliefs, right? What What are the beliefs you would need to have in order to get what you want? Okay. So you can look at... Uh, you know, Dr. Phillips, uh, as an example, right, you can look at he had to have had a belief in order to get what he ultimately wanted. That belief could have been very simply, I know I can lose weight, right? 
And so you can start very basic at this, right? But you can look at your limiting belief. And if it says, I'm, I'm always going to be fat, you can just change that into, you know, I can be healthy or I am healthy, or I'm not an active person to, I am an active person. And this psychological change that we're trying to trigger here is that mental barrier of how are you uh, seeing yourself, right? How is it that you're, what's your self-concept? How are you seeing yourself? And so simply looking at, I think the most important part for people is what is it that you want at, at your core? What is it that you want? And that self-understanding is what can give you and open the door to being able to identify some of these other things to take action on. What role does emotion play in this transformation? Do you gin up emotions? Do you just let them be whatever they happen to be? um, It seems like what we're talking about right now in terms of a mindset shift is, is essentially internal perception how you see yourself, how you perceive yourself, is there a role that emotion plays? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think doing the mental work, there is an emotional process within that. Uh, There's an emotional process within just looking at, can I be honest with myself? Mm. For some people, there's embarrassment, Mm. right? For a lot of us, there's embarrassment. Like, Maybe I, quote unquote, haven't been doing what I ought to be doing. And I'm embarrassed by that, even though I say that I want this thing, say that I want life to be different. And so there's that emotional process. There's also the emotional process, you know, for people who let's focus on who are losing weight or want to live healthier. What is the attachment and the emotional process of having held on to weight for so many years in their, their life or maybe the rest of their family having been overweight as well. There's the suddenly I'm going to be different from the people around me. If I change, how am I going to relate to these people? How am I going to be perceived? So there's a lot of emotion that plays into that as well. And so, you know, per your question, is there emotion that plays into it? Absolutely. And that's where the understanding yourself, what do you want? And creating that inner dialogue comes into play because you're creating a stronger sense of self, a stronger relationship with yourself allows you to rely less on the, I need other people to tell me that I'm good, or I need other people to let me know that I'm going to be okay. That is all great and wonderful. And we need that as humans, but relying on it as our sole source of validation creates a lot of inconsistency and a lot of inability for us to take action in our own lives and go after what we want that might be different from the people around us, right? Case in point, if you're the one healthy person in your family and every family function you go to, there's tons of food that you don't want to eat anymore, but your family is all partaking. Well, yeah, it's, that's a mental barrier that, you know, creates an opportunity, one for you to be, feel different, maybe feel a little bit isolated, feel misunderstood, and also have to work at, coaching yourself through being in that kind of environment. Um, at this point, there's going to be people who are saying, I, I like what she's saying. I don't have enough information to make it happen on my own. Um, I have two questions for you. The first question is, what is the what is the mental and emotional state of the typical person who reaches out to you? What are they, where are they stuck? And what is it that triggers them to finally say, all right, I need help. A lot of women that reach out to me, there are some commonalities of uh, they feel lost within themselves. Like their, their own identity has been convoluted over time, maybe by becoming a mom or struggling to become a mom um, and or really having low self-worth. All of these things combined, not feeling secure or confident in themselves, whether that's in relationship to relationship to other people or career or what have you. There's all these different avenues that kind of thread into that. 
And then on top of that, they know that they want something different. That is a common thread that is kind of like the, it has to be there. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not seeking you out and walking your, in your life every single day and in your brain every single day. And so that desire for, I'm tired of this. I need something different. I have to start thinking differently. I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to be constantly down on myself, berating myself, having self-talk that makes me feel like crap all the time. Those are usually the common threads of why people come to private coaching or courses. Right. So Carrie, um, this is the point where you tell people how they can find out more. Absolutely. Well, you can go to carriekeith.com slash beliefs and you can get the change your beliefs worksheet, which is going to help you actually walk through the steps of identifying limiting beliefs, what you want and how to change those into supportive beliefs. You can connect with me on Instagram at Carrie's Full Soul or get any of my courses on carriekeith.com and connect with me, reach out, uh, buy the sacred self journal. That's one of the best tools really for people because it walks you through the process of the questions. And so many people that journal has changed their lives simply by that one practice. That's cool. I love that. Phil, this has been different, but um, really cool. And I appreciate you inviting Carrie on here. Anything else before we wrap it up? No, definitely. This was a great conversation. I, uh, I, I got a great uh, therapy session out of it. So if nothing else, at least I, I improved, right? Many in the audience uh, will uh, certainly resonate with this conversation. So thank you, Carrie. As I said, I think this is a, a key part of, um, you know, what I do when I help people uh, and, um, you know, ultimately for people to be able to help themselves. Uh, and, uh, so great having you on and, uh, keep up the great work. And, uh, I really encourage people to go, uh, seek out some of the resources that Carrie has for you. Absolutely. So if you're one of those people who says, I'm sick of it, I don't want to be this way anymore. Come to carriekeith.com, K-A-R-I-K-E-I-T-H.com. For Philovania, I'm Jack Heal. We will talk to you guys next time. Chances are you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Avadia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at ifixhearts.com slash talk. That's ifixhearts.com slash talk.